This is the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I am Larry Lannon. We're at the Hamilton East Library in downtown Fishers at the Ignite Space in the AV Studio. And my guest today is Skylar Braun, who has recently discovered this facility, uh, which has so many other aspects. We're in, the, we're in a studio for video and audio production. Uh, you can do uh, all sorts of things here artistically on beyond this. But Skylar, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Great to have you uh, here. You are the, you call yourself a newsletter operator, plus a consultant, you do a lot of consulting work, but you recently launched a local Fisher's newsletter called Fisher's Digest. You've just celebrated your sixth month anniversary. I just read it today and you uh, decided to, uh, to, to publicize that fact. So you, you've got an interesting background, but I want to start off with this idea of doing the uh, Fisher's Digest newsletter. But before that, since you are kind of new to the media scene here, relatively new, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, once again, thanks for having me here. Real excited to talk about Fisher's Digest, talk about everything Fisher's. Uh, as you know, the Fisher's newsletter from what I started six months ago has changed so much from an idea of how can I make something that I felt was a bit underserved in terms of easily digestible content for millennials like myself or even Gen Z in a format that you know makes sense to us. Uh, and local news felt like that. So that was sort of how the idea of Fisher's Digest was born. But before that, uh, I am a graduate of Hamilton Southeastern, graduated in 2012, uh, did a few years at Ivy Tech right afterwards of community college, was not really kind of sure what I wanted to do and ended up going into the military uh, after a few years, realized that college really wasn't for me, uh, so maybe there's an alternative path out there. So ended up in the U.S. Army, did four years of active duty service in Fort Hood, Texas, where I learned tons of life skills, namely career skills around network engineering. So I got out of the military uh, in 2018 and for a few years was traveling around the country uh, for various reasons. One was uh, I was working at a naval base in Florida right out of the military, and we were helping operate the ships that they have all over the world. Well, two months into this, Hurricane Michael hits the panhandle. It was the biggest hurricane to hit the panhandle in over 20 years. So the apartment that I was staying at, three tornadoes touched down in it. Everything was destroyed. Um, I fortunately took myself and I had two cats at the time. We went to Alabama to kind of escape the hurricane, but I came back to everything's destroyed, right? It was a big insurance claim. Um, but you know, there was no job to go back to. So, you know, things like that happened, but I, I worked for some really cool companies like Lidos. You may have seen like the things that they have set up at the airport, same company, um, uh, in, in St. Louis, doing a lot of cybersecurity and network engineering work. And at some point during those few years, decided I was ready to come back home to Fishers, Indiana. And my buddy texted me one day out of the blue and said, my neighbor is posting their house on Facebook. They hadn't posted on Zillow, wasn't on any of the realtor sites. He said, you should totally check this out. And here I am, I'm in St. Louis at the time thinking, uh, I don't know, but I have been kind of wanting to come back to Fisher's. So 
let's figure, you know, I'll, I'll check it out. This seems like an opportunity. Well, long story short, I did end up buying that house on a whim, had no intention to do so, um, but did, and still in that house today. But it's what brought me back to Indiana, and, and I hadn't figured out a job here yet. I was still working in St. Louis, so I was driving back and forth for about six months. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I've driven that St. Louis trip. That's no small drive. No, but, you know, you do it enough times, and it becomes pretty uh, – maybe autonomous is the word. I, I don't know. It was. It didn't become – challenging uh, over time. It, it got easier, believe it or not, but eventually did uh, find a job here, which was amazing. And yeah, I guess that's mostly my story of what started here, took me away and brought me back. Yes, you are back home again uh, in central Indiana. You know, it's interesting you spent time in the uh, panhandle because my in-laws had a second home in Fort Walton Beach, Florida for years. And I know there's a large military presence there, Navy, and there's some other um, military services down that way. But uh, yes, they got hit by Hurricane Opal, I think it was. And uh, that was some years ago. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that is... That is that's hard to go through, and that in that part of the world, you're, those sorts of things happened. I have to ask you now about Fisher's Digest. You've been doing it six months. Uh, let me start off with this. You've talked about your story, how you returned back home in a way, back to where you went to school. But why Fisher's Digest? How did that come about? So this was this will be the first time I'm probably saying this publicly. But Fisher's Digest is, have you heard of a five-minute brand? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> it's totally a five-minute brand. So again, like I mentioned, this was one of those things where I was thinking, um, I'm a tech junkie. I'm into all sorts of the new bleeding-edge technologies like Web3, cryptocurrency, artificial intelligence, you name it. I've probably gone down a rabbit hole involving it. In fact, the startup that I worked for before starting Fisher's Digest was a Web3 CRM company started by High Alpha. They're a PE firm that focuses on B2B SaaS companies and uh, actually jumped out of that to start Fisher's Digest. But yeah, so I, I was thinking, what is a way that I can apply AI technology to something that makes sense? And local news happened to be that. I was reading an article by a local publisher and I was thinking to myself, man, this is a little bit challenging to read. Um, maybe it could be a little bit more interesting, but the content was good. So how can I take this and make myself and others a little bit more informed in terms of what the message you're trying to convey is? And that was that. So I said, okay, let's put together a system for this. Uh, I'm going to aggregate content. I'm going to need a logo. So just real quickly, it was like, okay, what is something that's Fisher's related? And I don't know why, but the first thing that came to mind was a sailboat. <laughs> so you must live near guys. Uh, my family does. Your family yeah. does, okay. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is I've never actually been on a sailboat, never taken any kind of classes. Uh, so it's not like it has any kind of special meaning to me, but for some reason it had some significance when I was thinking of Fisher's. So sailboat it was. Uh, I went on one of those websites where you can kind of pick the different color schemes for what your brand's going to be. And I thought, well, okay, you know, what's something that I can come up with a name? So I just went into ChatGPT and was like, give me a list of 10 names that would be good for a local news brand in Fisher's. And it came up with a few, and Fisher's Digest was one. I said, perfect. And that was that. Can I tell you a story about 
chat GPT because I, I played around with that a little bit. Not that I know that much about it, but uh, I got a, new, a news release once. So I thought, all right, I'm going to just say write a, write a news story based on this news release. And I cut and pasted the news release in there. I watched the story. The story came up with a quote from a person that was never mentioned in the news release. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> and I thought to myself, if I'm going to use Chat GPT to rewrite, I had better not exactly rewrite it the way Chat GPT. And they are very clear that it's a very imperfect system to this day. And uh, it will do things, but you had better check carefully what it does. Yes. Uh, how do you use artificial intelligence in, in putting Fisher's Digest together? Initially, it was helping me aggregate content, which is not a new concept by any means. Um, for those familiar, RSS-type feeds have been around for quite some time. Uh, but the novel use case was using it to summarize what was on a web page for me without having to read it and then helping. So, you know, combining the aggregation and the summarization piece into a format where it's kind of easily digestible, I suppose, was the main use case for it. So um, there was a tool I partially built and used for this in the very beginning. Our first email was sent to 20 people, which, as you can imagine, was... Uh, myself, family, and friends, and maybe like one or two people, because again, going into like the five minute brand thing, I started running Facebook ads on it from day one with a budget of $5. I've never run Facebook ads before. I didn't know what, you know, is right or wrong. And to be totally transparent with you, I still don't know like how the system <laughs> works. I think there are people who work on this for years and, and say they've got it figured out, but maybe they do, maybe they don't. But, um, yeah, that first newsletter was only sent to just a few people, and all it was doing was just pulling those different contents from different places. And what was unique about that, kind of like the third piece, was every time you clicked on an article in the newsletter, it would remember that. So let's say you click on every piece of content that comes out about Geist. The idea was if there is a new piece of information related to Geist on an article or a tweet or a Facebook post you would get that. But the person who never clicks on that would not get that. It was amazing in paper. And I think it sort of worked. The problem with it at the local scale, though, is there's not always content coming out about that in the first place. I mean, I'm sure you can um, empathize with this as a local blog writer. There's only so much content out there or new and, and relevant information that you can kind of write about or share um, so it made it kind of difficult to really lean into this, this customized AI newsletter that you can subscribe to. That's always going to send you the stuff you want to receive because it might not exist, if that makes sense. So how do you, well, let me ask you this question. Does the AI program actually look for content everywhere or are you looking at, <clears throat> excuse me, a few different sources? I know you've used my blog a few times mm -hmm. because there's nowhere else you could have gotten the story you put on there. <laughs> You didn't credit me, but you did. Uh, a few times you have, and I will, I'll give you credit for that. But sometimes you're just <clears throat> summarizing what some other uh, news source has come up with. And I've, I've always come up with the idea of being a local journalist 
is an old quote that was credited to Woody Allen, but he said he never actually said it. And it was like 85% of life is showing up. And, you know, I show up for meetings. Now, sometimes there's news and sometimes there's not or very little news. But I always talk to somebody on the side. You know, you went to a meeting with me recently. Mm-hmm. We had a conversation after the meeting, and I came up with all kinds of information I hadn't had before, which you were there to, to glean that as well. But uh, you're doing – you're not necessarily going out and covering events. You're using material others have put together to, to – to give this digest. So uh, that, I guess the question I would ask you is when you get this conglomeration of AI material, I would assume you as a human being curate that and figure out what you want to use and what you don't want to use. Yes. So that's the case today. There was never a point with the newsletter where there was enough content on a given day. So we were sending daily. Actually, the name originally was Fisher's Daily Digest. Um, cause I thought, well, this could just be something that I automated, which I did have automated at one point, it would just do everything, but there wasn't always a bunch of content to pull from on a given day. So it made it a little bit challenging today though. Um, everything is human written. I'd say about three months in, I came to a realization with this, that there are things that AI are useful for, for on what I'm trying to accomplish here. You know, at the local news level, um, and one of them is not the way that I was doing it, and it felt like a race to zero in terms of what I was accomplishing because anybody could do it, right? All you need to do is find all the feeds, which I did, set it up in an email tool, which is very easy to do, and you're good to go, right? There, there wasn't any differentiator at all with it, but I still felt like there was something there in terms of. I like to think of it as remixing content. I think today we do a lot better job. You know, in the beginning, you're just like trying to figure things out. And if there were times I didn't credit you, I, you know, that's an apology for me. I, I owe you that. Um, we'll try and do better about that in the future. But I've realized now that, hey, it's pretty important to make sure that the people who wrote this stuff get the credit for it because that's a lot of work. But the differentiator today is really just the remixing of content and aligning with, um, a different audience, which believe it or not, you know, I write it for millennials and Gen Zs, but there is quite a few of the senior community who are very actively involved in it. Well, I'm one of your subscribers and I'm certainly in the elderly category, but I want to say something about that because you talked about how you, you try to appeal to the younger crowd. And and here's where I think is a good example of that. I've written about the new event center, which uh, Indie Fuel will be will be playing their home games there starting next season. They've got a football league that's coming into our football league that's coming in. We'll, we're learning more about that, and I've got an upcoming podcast on that as well. But I've written about the event center, and we call it the event center because there will be a sponsored name at some point in the future. We just don't have that worked out. So it'll be so-and-so incorporated building, I would assume. But when you describe the event center, you had a headline that said, a very cool building to me. Okay, that that tells me your slant on. Yeah, I've written about it. I've never called it a really cool building. It probably is going to be a really cool building from all the uh, renderings that I've seen. But that that's how you uh, that's how you write your headlines. That's how you write your copy. It is, and some of it I feel like is not very funny. I I, I I don't know. Sometimes it is. Maybe that's what makes it funny is because it's not uh. trying to be too funny. I, I don't really know. I read a book called Smart Brevity. Um, 
it was created by the founders of Axios, who also do something of a local newsletter. I think it's at a much larger scale, and they focus more on like politics and economics than they do things going on around you. Um, but in this book, they're very detailed in how you can use your words uh, and how you write to capture people's attention. I think today we're in what a lot of people call a TikTok economy where, you know, I, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's like fractions of a second you have to pull someone's attention um, in what you want them to read. And, and in my case, you know, email being a relatively older platform in terms of everything that's out there, right? You're fighting extra hard to get someone to click on one of your emails. So let me tell you something that, uh, <laughs> uh, that really relates to what you're saying. I, w I had to do... Uh, conduct some business with a financial institution setting up some accounts and uh, the fellow on the other side who was helping me was in his 20s Ball State graduate bright guy and I had mentioned that I <clears throat> was helping I was trying to set up this uh, this local news blog do, doing journalism on a local level he looked at me and says well yeah, you know what I get most of my news from TikTok now, that bothered me a little bit. If you get all, if you want to use TikTok for fun or whatever, but to use TikTok to get all your news, yeah, that bothered me a little. Does it bother you? No, it, okay. actually, I, I just read a stat on that too. That I think more Gen Z look up on TikTok search for information relating to anything than they do on Google, which is a massive paradigm shift from what the status quo has been for 20, 25 years that the internet has been around. I think that uh, I've got to change my, my uh, strategy. Maybe I need to get on TikTok now. I don't know. Yeah. You recently did something interesting. You uh, asked your readers to uh, weigh in on a possible citywide contract for trash removal. I was around when we had our first debate about that 10 years ago. I just started my blog, and oh, that was that was something to see. But uh, you did ask people, I mean, just for a bit of history, and 10 years ago when we were a town, uh, it came up, and there was massive uh, uh, pushback. Somebody even called Scott Fadden, his town manager at the time, a communist. <laughs> you know, he still remembers that. I saw him. I get After it. that was brought up, and he looked at me because you know somebody called me a communist when like he was very upset about that. And, and Scott Fadness is about as far of a communist as you're ever going to find. He's no nowhere near that. But it just shows you how tempers were flaring. People didn't want anybody messing with their 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 trash collection. But yet, your your there were two things your survey showed. Now, I want you to talk more about it. But the two things that I gleaned from that, and you did use community comment section of the city council meeting to reveal this, that you had a substantial number of people who want a citywide contract, but it wasn't the cost, which has been going up. The main reason, and I want you to talk more about this, was that people had service problems. And that's why they wanted a citywide contract, so the city would enforce the contract. So tell us more about why you decided to do that survey and what you gleaned from that. Yeah, so the polls are a active strategy that I use for engagement in the newsletter. So I love to communicate in the ways that people want to communicate with me, and polls are one of them where you can click and answer, leave feedback, and I respond to everything. Um, so it's a great way to connect on a deeper level with the people who are subscribed to the newsletter because what I'm really trying to create is a community. Um, so they're great for that. Uh, 
I was not expecting this poll to be anything like it was. I mean, hundreds of people responded to it and blew me away about how passionate people were. But the main theme, I'd say that the price and service are correlated um, in some ways, right? If you feel like you're paying a whole bunch and your service isn't there, you know, you're going to feel like you're getting gypped. But if you're paying five bucks for trash and, you know, you're getting this every other week, it's like, well, you know, I'm not paying all that much. So maybe it's not a huge deal, but at least that's how I think about it. But the main thing that I saw in the feedback, which was plentiful, was service issues. And I can give you an example of one right now is the company that bought Ray's Waste Management, to my knowledge, is not picking up leaves. I don't know if Republic is. Um, I feel like I just talked to someone recently who said they're not. They're charging you to do so. And that's a big deal, right? I mean, I didn't think it was at the time when I ran the poll. It's just like, I'm just going to run this poll and just tell people what's going on with the trash. And, you know, started getting into it. It's a really passionate topic. It's a nerve, I'd say, in the community. Um, But the fact that they're not picking up leaves without charging extra money, I'd say that's a service issue because they have in the past, right? I remember when we had Ray's, I could put out just about anything, probably a mattress, and they would take it, right? No questions asked. Probably not the right way to do it, but there was never really a problem, right? And I think the community got used to that would be my guess. So based on all the feedback that we received, it was just services, terrible, right? They're raising rates. Um, it's all over the board. Sometimes they're not even picking it up. Now they're not picking up, you know, extra stuff that happens every year, like leaves. And I think people are ready for someone to save them. Um, and I think that's, well, it remains to be seen if the city's able to negotiate a good contract for it. Uh, but the main no's that I saw against it were, you know, your typical, it's a free market, right? I like to negotiate my own rates. When government gets involved in things, good things never happen in the long view, right? And there's truth to those arguments for sure. Um, but based on the conversations that I've now had with some of the people heading this up at the city, I have confidence that they'll be able to come up with something that's going to work for everyone. And interesting that uh, after you made your presentation, the mayor said he had just talked to an HOA president who had a renewal coming up, didn't say which company, but had a 40, 45% increase in the, mm-hmm. in the, and for the same service. So uh, having just two companies that are operating here, and I think one person privately told me that the hope with going out for, for bids on a city contract would be maybe there's another company that might be willing to come in and compete with the other two for a city contract. We don't know that. Now, 10 years ago, Republic had the best uh, bid by far. It was going to be like $9, $10 a month. And uh, if you wanted extra service outside the contract, you could do something called buying tags. So if you – okay, here's the basic service, but if you want leaf pickup or you've got a mattress out there or you've got extra trash that pickup week, you could buy a tag from the company, put it on the thing, and then the, they would pick it up for you. That was the way it worked in that contract, which was never accepted. They just dropped the whole idea. The, the town did, as you remember, uh, the story. Besides trash, has there been anything else you've done so far in your six months of uh, Fisher's Digest that sparked reader reaction? Hmm. 
That seems yes. to be the one. Okay, but yeah, there, there, is there was one. one other one. It was the Geist E. coli story. Oh yes, yes. Um, I remember seeing this on Nextdoor. Somebody posted the city or I'm not sure. Maybe it's a conservant conservancy agency. Somebody tests the water. I'm not sure who it is, but they posted a link to it, and it said that the water levels at the uh, the boat ramp is it uh, right across the street from the park yes was not the, testing well guys waterfront park you're talking guys waterfront about? park yes. mm-hmm. yeah was not testing well there at that launch and i remember thinking that is not good first and foremost and wondered i wonder because that's so close i know they've got those systems built in that are like circulating the water i think there's like three pumps or something to that effect in there that's supposed to help with that but I don't know if like E. coli once it's there, right? I'm not, this isn't my world or field, but we covered that. I put on there that, Hey, water levels are unsafe. And it actually turns out the very next day they shut down the waterfront park, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. also the last weekend that they were going to be open. So this was to me that the waterfront park was already something that had a lot of controversy around it to begin with. And then you know, be closed on your last weekend and then have like E. coli issues. There, there was a lot of, well, the $50 parking <laughs> fee for out-of-towners got, gained us a lot of bad publicity as a city. I will, that, I'll have to tell you that that's – I don't have to say that. That was was obvious. But the, yeah. the mayor did uh, defend that decision, and he said that's not a permanent decision. It was just for that first season, and who knows what they'll do next summer. But uh, they were – the idea was to make sure that the people whose tax money paid for the park had access to the park. Yeah. But as I understand it, uh, the way people got around it, they just dropped people off and didn't, and, and didn't hey, park. <laughs> so, you know, they, they would use it that way. Yeah. I see that you do have some sponsorship on your newsletter. It's a free newsletter. We'll tell you later how to sign up for it if you wish. Uh, how easy or difficult has it been to recruit sponsorship for your digest? Um, that's a good question. So again, my field of expertise has not come from media buying or selling or media at all, really. So it was a new field to me in that regard, but not new from the aspects of selling. Uh, so I've been in roles over the past few years where I've picked up um, on founder-led sales, on uh, company, kind of individual-led sales, and kind of the best practices around that. Um and all of those things are applicable in really any industry. And this one was no different, just being a media company. But what made it easier for me was that it was my own company, right? So you have a little bit more control in terms of the systems that you use and the process that you set up. Um, but it's been going well. Uh, pretty much everything that we've had advertised so far has been through outbound. I think only one was something that came in through someone who has subscribed to the newsletter, which is great. My guess is as we continue to grow and you know cement ourselves in the community, the inbound will start to see upticks, but most of it's been outbound and has been really good, I'd say, in terms of what we've been able to accomplish from advertising. And just so people know, I do not sell advertising on my blog. Now, what I do have is a is a deal with Fisher's Magazine, which is a monthly magazine. I write for them once a month, and I give them a portal to do some ads. I don't sell those ads; don't get any money from them. It's just part of a small deal. I'm paid a small amount to write 
and put that on there. But I used to sell ads in radio, and I know how hard the work is, working with your clients, making sure you get done what they want done. So it's it's not an easy thing doing sales, whether it's radio or online, whatever, print, whatever it might be. You've already talked about, you've experimented with the frequency of your digest. It was the daily digest at first. You know, if I had to write something every day, I, I write something most days, but if I had to write something every day, that would be a chore. Even yes. one story. You're doing a lot more with that digest than one story. So have you settled on a frequency of how many times a week you plan on, on, on publishing? I wish I could say yes. We just started changing that again over the past week. I didn't send, uh, I think it was a Wednesday issue last week, but that was Thanksgiving related. Um this week, we sent one out on a Tuesday, and for those listening, depending on when this comes out, will come out either Thursday or Friday. The reason I'm testing the time frames is I'm trying to get an understanding of engagement. I did a poll early on asking people, what is your preferred time slot for this? And to be honest with you, it was completely down the middle in every regard. Weekly had a whole bunch of responses. Daily had a whole bunch of, um, I mean, it was like 20, 20, 20, 20 in terms of like all the different options that could have been. So, you know, I'm thinking, well, this is helpful, but not helpful, right? Because I don't have a good sense on what people really want. So what I've come up with is I want every newsletter to be at least a thousand words. That's about four, four and a half minutes, depending on how you read, which leans into our kind of um, mission statement of a five minute or less read. And to do so, I want to make sure that we're doing frequencies that can support that, right? So three times a week, we were doing that for some time. Um, but now what I'm testing is if we do two times a week, what the word count ends up being for the newsletters themselves. Um, and so far, I can share a little bit of data around that. Um, it is supporting being two times a week. Okay. Yeah. Okay, very good. So that's fluid, but that's where you are now. Yes. I hope to keep it at a very strict schedule in the future. Once we're like, okay, this is good. We're going to do two times a week. And that's that, right? I want it to be a consistent thing. The same reason that I'm wearing this blue jacket that's got our little yeah, logo sail, right here. The sailboat there, yeah. I, right, I, I wear it everywhere for the same reason, right? I, I want people to associate, you know, the newsletter with a certain day. And I try to keep my blog posts short, you know, unless I have a, a compelling reason to make it longer. And with the, with podcasts, I always had a philosophy, no podcast should be longer than the average jog. So about 30 minutes. is, is And I try to keep it there. We're about there now. So <laughs> one question I have for you, how does somebody sign up for a free newsletter, the Fisher's Digest? Yeah, the best way is just to go to our website. That's going to be fishersdigest.com. We've got articles on there that we're starting to pull from the newsletter itself. But uh, just a big pop-up that shows up that you put your email in, and that's that. It's that simple. Very good. And you do have some expansion plans. You'd like to go from Fishers to other cities. What cities are you looking at uh, right now? Yeah, I can tell you you're looking at two, Indianapolis and Carmel. Oh, okay. Good, good. Uh, <laughs> very good goals to have. <laughs> I've tried to ask a few questions. Anything you would uh, like to add before we wrap this up? No, I, I appreciate you having me on here. It's been an absolute blast learning about everything there is locally. Uh, if there's one thing I'd want to say just to the community, it's that I've been doing this and been um, completely immersed in everything that there is, let's say, local news, local government. And 
six months in, I feel like there's still so much to learn. Um, so maybe that's my way of saying, you know, I hope the newsletter is helpful in that fact because it takes a lot of time, as you know, to understand a lot of these economics and politics and things that are even just going on around you. There's so much. Like, I didn't learn till six months in that there's this AV studio here at the library or that there's a 3D printer here Mm -hmm. or that there's a laser engraver. And all it takes is for me to just take a little class and I'm good to go. I can use the equipment. And that's just part of being a resident here. And that took six months to find that out. Well, Skylar, I've lived here 32 years. I've been writing this blog for 12 years. I've been doing podcasts for seven years. I learn something new every day about the local community. So we we both learn together. I want to thank you for joining me. really enjoyed our conversation. Skylar Braun is uh, the operator of the newsletter Fisher's Digest. Thanks for coming on, Skylar. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it.